Once again, and welcome to Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I am glad you decided to hang out with me again here today. Before we start, many of you have asked about the song that begins and ends this podcast, where they could find it and so forth. It's actually called A Day Late, and it was recorded by a band named Dive. Uh, It was recorded in 2001. And it featured guitarist, vocalist John Villafuerte, uh, Mr. Sean Hood on the bass, and a 28-year-old guy named Chris Levine playing the drums. This was one of my old bands that I was a part of. So unless the other two guys sue me, I don't have to worry about using it for this podcast. I miss those guys. Anyway, some of you requested to hear it in its entirety. I, I thought about it, and it's like, okay, why not? So here goes. Please give 
from their demo EP from 2001. If you like it and you want to hear more, let me know when we can play more tracks on future episodes. It's kind of fun listening to them again. So what is today's topic? This time around, for your listening pleasure, we will be talking about phobias, things that scare us. What are they? Why do they? Can we fix them? Let's see. Now, phobias are interesting because they are so all over the map. We call this episode Phobias, What's in Your Wallet? Because there are so many of these, and I also obviously love inserting a pop culture company slogan to add to the fun. But there are phobias along with their $10 names for so many things. I, I probably will pronounce some of these wrong as we go. I, I, I practiced them, but, but I may or may not get them. But I will tell you this, they are all real all real phobias. The big ones, among which we know probably the best, are fear of things like the dark, spiders, heights, germs, flying in a plane. These are pretty well known. But you know, there are a lot of others too, and I'm just barely touching on them here. Let's note a couple. Pyrophobia, that's the fear of fire. Dendrophobia, that's the fear of trees. Astrophobia, that's the fear of thunder and lightning. Again, these are very real for a lot of people. Then there's also things like anthrophobia, which is the fear of flowers. Glossophobia, which is the fear of speaking in public. And here's an interesting one. Octophobia, which is the fear of seeing the number eight. Yes, that's real. Many things scare us. And it's sometimes easy to hear someone say they're afraid say of cats and chuckle about it but we're all put off by something you know maybe the person that's afraid of cats can handle snakes and you can't see it's all relative but phobias are everywhere they've always been around and they're all over pop culture for example uh in great expectations miss havisham suffers from a fear of change peter pan what's he afraid of He's afraid, he's scared to death of getting older. Tippi Hedren in the movie Marnie has a phobia of the color red. Scotty Ferguson in the movie Vertigo is afraid of heights. Why? Why phobias? Well, let's find out. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are three main reasons for where these come from. 
Negative experiences is one of them. Uh, many phobias develop as a result of having a negative experience or panic attack related to some specific object or situation. You think back on it, it reminds you of something that scared you, and it's always scared you since. The second one is genetics and environment. It says there that there may be a link between your own specific phobia and the phobia or anxiety of your parents. You, you either could have inherited some of this, or this could be due to genetics and learned behavior. So part of it you may have seen, part of it you just it just got passed on to you. The third one is brain function. We grow, things happen, and changes in brain functioning also play a role in developing specific phobias. In other words, as your brain changes, phobias may develop. Now, fear in itself is an interesting thing. Some people purposely go to see a movie that they hope will, will, will scare them. You know, it's just, it's very, very interesting to me. Now, I remember as a kid, if I heard something that simply sounded wrong, it would scare me. Not that it was actually scary, but it would just have some weird effect on me. I'll find some of those things and I'll, and I'll play the same thing now and ask my wife or my son if it scares them. And 100% of the time, it never does. Like I remember as a kid being completely weirded out by a sound that I heard on TV. It, it was the American Film Production Company Screen Gems theme. And that little logo would come on right after the Monkees TV show but it, a lot of other TV shows that Scream Gems did as well. It was this weird moog sound that as a kid, I just couldn't wrap my head around. And it completely creeped me out. Now, it's on YouTube. You can look it up under Screen Gems television logo. Very important. It has to say 1965. You look that up if you want to experience all seven terrifying seconds of it for yourself. But ironically, when I went to go find it to see if it was there, apparently this is a thing. Other people obviously felt the same way, and, and there's comments about all that. Who knew? It's also funny. The same thing happened to me with the song Open Sesame by Cool and the Gang. You can laugh if you want, because I realize that it's completely ridiculous. But honestly... That Egyptian-style harmony thing that hits right after the snare drum strike, when I was small, that completely freaked me out. Now, again, I know that this song on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and the Screen Gems theme are not and have never, ever been or will be scary. But they sounded wrong to my ears as a kid. And they were just scary to me. So, so let me ask, can you relate to this? Maybe with your own example of something that you saw as a kid that's really not that scary or heard, but it just freaked you out? I have a friend, for example, who can't eat anything that's round. She doesn't know why, but for her, it is extremely real. She can't do it. It's a problem. Can these things be fixed? Well, the answer is yes, but as usual, it's a process. To start, 
you can pinpoint your phobia and the negative thoughts associated with it. Now, phobias usually come with three types of negativities that feed them. One of them is predicting the situation. The next one is overgeneralization. And the other one is catastrophizing. Now, an example of predicting the situation would be like telling yourself that the bridge that you're on is going to collapse. Or, you know, the elevator that you're on, it's going to fall. Or, or you're going to stutter and freak out when you make that speech. But you see, we can catch this and try to stop this by remembering that we don't need to pretend that we're prophets of disaster. Something else that we, we mentioned was overgeneralizing. Overgeneralizing is when you associate everything about a subject based on one bad experience. For, for example, maybe you find yourself worrying that every dog on this planet is going to try to bite you because one dog did, or maybe almost did, when you were a child. And then the last one is catastrophizing. Now, this is a little bit kind of like predicting the situation. You take simple elements, simple events, like being in a store. You're in a store and you're around someone who's distanced from you and they're wearing two masks, but you hear them cough once. So immediately you imagine the worst. That person must have COVID and now I must have it too. Uh, that's making the worst out of a situation. And it's one of the negativities that goes along with a phobia. Now, if these symptoms describe us, what can we do? Well, check out what the Boston Children's Hospital recommends. And by all means, these can work for adults as well as kids. Uh, I picked a few of them. There's a lot more, but these are the ones that stood out to me. One is recognizing that the sense of danger associated with the object of the phobia is out of proportion. In other words, realize that you're probably overthinking the level of danger. For example, let's say you have a, a phobia of birds. Well, if you recognize that birds rarely come into direct contact with humans, and if they did, they probably wouldn't cause any or significant injury if they did, that's going to help. So yes, they startle you, but it will help if, if we look at it and don't blow it out of proportion. That's one thing we could do. Another thing, realizing that the imagined outcomes of encountering the feared object or situation are either impossible or highly unlikely. So an example, if you're a child and you're in a dark bedroom and you convince yourself that you're going to be attacked by space monsters, you're not going to be. And if you realize that that imagined outcome is basically impossible, then you won't worry about it so much. Something else, practicing what's called self-talk to remember what is real and what is imagined. So you're in a situation where you're a little panicked. You can say, you know what, I'm okay. I might feel like I'm going to die because I'm so scared, but that's just my brain. It's just creating panic. I am not in any real danger. If I take deep breaths and I think calmly, this feeling will pass. 
That's something we could do too. And then finally, another good one is gradually increasing exposure to situations that trigger the phobia. So uh, let's say public speaking is something that you're deathly afraid of. Go to the place when there's no people in it and stand on the stage. It's a start. Get used to it. Get used to the podium. Or let's say there's a spider on the far wall from you. Nowhere near you, but you can see it. Stay there for a minute. Watch it. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to hurt you. And as soon as, as, as the dreaded outcome for these kinds of circumstances doesn't happen, it's going to, to some degree, minimize the fear. If it doesn't go away completely, it may help to put it into perspective. Now, the concept of facing our fears is daunting, for sure. We have two choices, ultimately. We either face them or we learn to live with them. Now, my suggestion is this. Weigh the specific phobia. Be realistic with it. Like, for instance, if you're afraid or have a phobia of the people that are dressed in animal suits at Disneyland, honestly, how often do you see that in your normal day-to-day -day life? Now, if you want to go to Disneyland or you need to go to Disneyland, well, then you're going to have to kind of learn to deal with that and face that in one way or another. But if you have no plans to be in environments like that, why complicate your life by fighting really hard when it's so minimally a part of your normal life? But let's contrast that now. Let's say that you're afraid of going outside or sunlight. Well, you got to get help. See, anything that you can do to slow down that anxiety is important because you can't function normally with that hanging over your head. So fight it and work on it. In other words, when it, when it comes to phobias, pick your battles. You know, it, it, maybe they're there, but if they don't really affect you in your day-to-day -day life, don't, don't overly worry about them. In closing, fear is not a great motivator. Granted, it works sometimes, but the collateral damage of when it does work is often not worth the exhaustion and the unfulfilling payoff. But if we do things deliberately, we're motivated by positive things like love or empathy or joy, that is a much, much better motivation in life. So let's look at our fears realistically and not let them dictate our lives or our levels of happiness. We have once again arrived at that time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to accompany the festivities. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, Phobias, What's in Your Wallet playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash phobias, What's in your wallet? You won't even get all the way through typing it and it'll pop up for you. Now this time, we thought we'd do something a little different. The songs, other than the first one, are going to each touch upon a specific phobia subject matter themselves. So let's see what we came up with. Song number one is general. It is the song entitled Afraid by Nico and it was produced by her former co-band member of the Velvet Underground, 
John Cale. Really, really pretty song by Nico called Afraid. Number two is Vertigo by U2. A vertigo is the loss of balance that's often associated with a fear of heights. How about song number three? Song number three is entitled In the Crowd by The Jam. Agoraphobia. It's the fear of crowds or open spaces. Number four, we took a nice little, little, little left turn here. Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. And it kind of falls under xenophobia, which is the fear of those who are different or those who you feel are strangers. And this can, can, can include racially. Song number five, Hour of Darkness by Social Distortion. Nyctophobia, Fear of the Dark. Number six, I, I pretty much pick because of the title. Uh, but I, it's a great song. It's just, you know, the subject matter of the song isn't necessarily about a phobia in any way. But it's entitled Burning Airlines Give You So Much Pleasure. Isn't that great? By Brian Eno. Burning Airlines Give You So Much Pleasure. And of course, there's aerophobia, spelled like Aerosmith, the A-E-R-O, which is the fear of flying. Number seven, Snakes by the Pixies. There is a phidiophobia, which is a fear of snakes. Number eight, The Needle and the Damage Done by Neil Young. Trypanophobia, fear of needles and injections. Number nine, Clowns and Jugglers by Sid Barrett, formerly of Pink Floyd. Well, Colrophobia, is the fear of clowns. And number 10 is The Spider by the band Weezer, which of course is arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. Now, in addition to it just being a phobia fest, these songs are really good and they actually flow really well on this playlist. I think you'll enjoy it. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in refresherpodcast-phobias What's in your wallet? On behalf of the Refresher Podcast, I want to say again that you guys are the greatest. I, I humbly want to share that this podcast now has contributors that are financially donating monthly to keep it going. How cool is that? You know, My goal on my end is to make it worth it. I'm going to try to continue to put out two of these a week, barring unusual circumstances. Well, if you would like to join them, and make a small monthly contribution, there's a little link on Spotify called Support This Podcast, and it's right under the episode description, and it gives you the options of contributing either $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you're inclined to do so, that would be great. But whether you do or you don't, I'm just happy that you're here. I hope this little program keeps you company, entertains you, informs you, and most of all, helps you. Thanks again for spending some time with me again this time around. You know, another podcast of note is the Managing Expectations podcast. And check this out. Big news this time. These guys just hit their 50th episode. Now, I package mine generally a half hour or less. These guys always exceed an hour, and they've done over 50 
podcasts, quality podcasts. That's huge. So congratulations to Jeff and Brian. Check them out on Spotify. Great pop culture, great banter back and forth. They are the Managing Expectations podcast. It's a great listen. And also, there is the 7208 podcast on Spotify, too, where my kid, Harrison, and I, we tackle pop culture together and multi-generationally. That is the 7208 podcast on Spotify. Harrison alone is worth the price of admission here. He is the tiny man. He is the myth. He is the cat Gomez. Thanks again to the guys in Dive, John Viafuerte, Sean Hood, for providing the bumper music for this program. Uh, until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care, do yourself a favor, and remember that there is a huge difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.